Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett. Howdy, mountain bikers. Thanks for being here, and welcome to episode 130 of the MTB Tribe Podcast. I'm here to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to get on the trails, keep you stoked, and hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and the people involved. So thanks so much for tuning in this week, and thanks for getting involved with the podcast. Now, I just want to give a big shout out to David Mitchell. David has recently moved from Scotland to Texas, and he sent me an email just to say how the MTB Tribe podcast was helping them kind of commute from where he lives now to the trailheads uh, because it's quite a long distance and he's found a lot of good trails and stuff there but uh, he was thankful for the podcast to keep him entertained on his way to the trails and keep him stoked for getting out there so David listen I hope you found trails closer to home or I hope you've found training buddies or riding buddies or whatever there to to spur you on and get you out in the trails but fair play to you man it's a big move to move from scotland to texas and i hope you're really enjoying it and thanks so much for getting in contact with me and just for letting me know how much the podcasts have been helping you out and uh or helping you get out in the trails and keep you stoked so thanks so much david i really appreciate it now on today's show we are answering your MTB gem questions. If you have been listening to the show, I put a shout out um, a few weeks ago, a month ago, something like that, just to get you to send in your questions for any issues you had in the gym related to your MTB training or the specific training you do in the gym that helps you get out in the bike anything like that and so we've got all those questions in and I want to thank you so much for sending those in it was great it was great reading through them and I think we've answered them all here on the podcast so Ben from the strength factory who we've had on the podcast a couple of times before was really really keen to come on and answer these questions for you guys and help you get out in the trails help you be stronger help you be fitter and help you just do more that would uh help you on the trails help your mountain biking while you're in the gym not not wasting time but doing stuff specific to help you get out on the trails and be a better rider now if you did send in a question it is in the show and your name is there and everything else so we're giving you a a quick shout out there just for sending that in and doing that which is awesome and we answer everything from arm pump to cardio training to road training if it helps your mtb to how to get motivated and even how the sauna can help after your training sessions we get into quite a lot ben's awesome as always a man full of wealth and knowledge and uh, we chat through and it's a good podcast for sure and it will definitely help you get motivated in the gym or get your butt into the gym and uh, find out how it can help you on the trail as well now ben has also been very very kind and has offered use mtb tribe podcast listeners 50 percent off your first month subscription of ben's complete mtb program or one year subscription for only 300 pounds to find out more about that just simply keep listening to the podcast or go to the show notes which you'll find at mtb-tribe.com and you'll get more info there on how to claim your 50% off the first month and help you get better and stronger on the trails with Ben's help of course. So without further ado let's get Ben on the podcast and let's find out what we're doing wrong in the gym, how we can do things better and how it can make us better mountain bikers. Hi Ben, welcome to the MTB Tribe podcast, how's things sir? Yeah, good evening, Gareth. I'm really good, thank you. Yeah, I've just had dinner, little ones in bed, uh, coaching's done for the day, and we're all good, all good. Excellent, mate, excellent. Well, thanks for coming back on the show and uh, 
sharing your time with us. It's really good to chat to you again. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. Uh, and I remember last time I was on, I got quite a few questions afterwards and stuff like that. And I know at this time of year, a lot of people are thinking about training and exercise and all that sort of thing. So it's, it's good to come on and, and hopefully answer some questions for your people. Mm, that's cool. And uh, we sent out some tips for people to get in contact with us if they need anything answered, if they need tips or help with anything in the gym or on the bike and things like that. And we got some really good uh, responses. So we'll we'll be going through them and hopefully answering some people's questions or difficulties they may be having more one thing and another. Um, so it'll be good to get into it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, a bit of uh, test out my grey matter a little bit and hopefully <laughs> give you some usable, real real world information that's going to be jargon free is what I'm going to aim for. Mm, cool, cool. Well, you were originally back on the podcast in episode 51 and we were kind of chatting then about why going to the gym makes you a better, better mountain biker. And then you come back on in episode 86 and we chat about injury recovery, which yes. is which was very good, very relevant. So if anybody wants to go back and listen to those two shows, they can do. And Ben, you can be found at thestrengthfactory.uk. That's correct. Yeah, that's my website. And also, uh, I, I guess, Instagram and Facebook, where I'm strengthfactory underscore coach or strengthfactory coach. But yeah, okay, I'm out cool. and about there. I'm trying to chip away. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> it feels Sometimes it feels like a bit of a chore having to do all that stuff. It'd be nice to just... Uh, train people in the gym and not have to do that but we all we all have to these days don't we yeah it is man it's a it's a dream do you do stuff every day or do you like plan your do you sit down for a couple hours and do it for the week or what way do you normally work that no it's uh (laughs) normally it'll be like in the afternoon at the gym and i'm training and then i think right what should i do today um yeah I'd like to tell you there was a social media plan out there, but there isn't at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm the same, and I probably should plan it, but things happen at certain times, and you kind of got to be on it. I prefer to kind of be on it on the day just to what's been coming through and what's kind of in, uh, you know, in, in people's posts and stuff. Yeah. And, I guess know. yours gets generated by, to a certain degree, by the current guest or the next guest mm. so there's always something to do there isn't there so yeah that's it that's it well before we get into the questions um i've been following you on youtube and things like that you've put on a good bit of muscle me over the last eight, 10 months have you been hitting the gym yourself <laughs> you think so i don't know i think I think you have <laughs> that's um i don't know i think i think maybe it looks that way i think i'm a, maybe a bit leaner um mm. so maybe it shows it a bit more or my, i don't know because i'm being a pretty consistent weight now for a few years going okay. back to the army days i was quite a bit more hench i was a bit heavier um bigger arms and stuff but i've generally trimmed down a little bit better for the bike <laughs> mm-hmm. so um yeah well i wasn't expecting you to say that you've actually <laughs> caught me a little like overwhelmed and speechless <laughs> No, because I was just watching you and watching you, and then I I didn't see you for probably a couple of months or whatever. I was up to one thing or another, yeah. and then when you come back on, I was like, "Dude, you know you've been you've been maybe it was a tight yourself. t-shirt, maybe it was a tighter <laughs> t-shirt." But you know what, mate? I do I do practice what I preach. You know, I I um I I love this what I do, and yeah, I I train 
regularly and and obviously i've been doing it a long time i've been i've trained my entire adult life so mm-hmm. you know and i know what works for me and my body so yeah i guess when i do stuff i, I respond mm-hmm. which is Very which good. is nice yeah do you yourself enjoy going and using the gym uh, yeah 100 percent. Yeah. yeah yeah i look forward to it and you know these days i only do strength training two or three times a week to be honest um mm-hmm. Because then, you know, it gives me time and energy to, like, ride my bike and stuff. Um, but, yeah, I, I love it, to be honest. Yeah, like, it would be cool. kind of nice to somehow be able to cheat the system where I could, like, pump iron five days a week and ride my bike six days a week and still have energy and <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and still be able to work and see my family. But I don't think it works like that, sadly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. No, you, you have to have a balance, I think, to, to be honest. Yeah exactly exactly if you want more of one thing you generally need a bit less of something else and that's mm. not just in the gym you know it's uh, there's only so much time and energy you've got mm. yeah and would you say like most of your clients enjoy going to the gym or is it you know a necessary evil to a lot of them <laughs> so i'd say that it shifts i get a lot of people who turn up uh when i first have maybe a consultation or a session who say oh I'm not really a gym person, you know, and things like that. But it's then all about just creating the right environment for them, you know, and Mm -hmm. training them with with other riders, with other people. And, you know, number one rule for me is, I mean, you know, I don't make like tons of money, but I can afford to turn someone away if I need to. So I don't train any dickheads, basically, Gareth. Mm -hmm. And so you're always going to train with good people, and yeah we have we have a good time and so the fact it's in the gym almost becomes irrelevant because you're doing yeah so i'd like to think that most of my clients enjoy it at least after the session mm-hmm. <laughs> they look mm-hmm. type two fun i think you'd call it <laughs> yeah cool cool all right now let's jump into some of the questions then um yes so they're kind of ask the coach type deals um it's good for people like you were saying getting ready for the race season it's a bit of bike versus gym. It's a bit of motivation. It's all those stuff rolled into one. So the questions yeah. cover quite a lot. It's good. All right. So the first one comes from James Ellis, who got in on contact via Instagram. Um, this is quite a different one. And it's something I used to do quite a lot after the gym, and I never really thought about it. But it's actually an interesting question. So James asks, is the sauna good after a gym session and should I be using it or not? He goes for 15 or 20 minutes after his workout five times per week. Um, and he started gym sessions just early this year. So what do you think of that? That's a different question. Yeah, that's uh, it's not one I was expecting, but it's, it's a great question because, you know, in short, the answer I would say for most people is that, yes, I think sauna is beneficial for your recovery and for your performance uh, on a number of different levels. So what your man there is is talking about is using it post-training. So let's say he's doing a strength session to improve your recovery. So and obviously improve recovery helps you to then get stronger, build more muscle and things like that. And it then helps you to then be in a position where the the next day, you can you're more likely to be able to train because you're better recovered Mm. so if we can boost that then that's always a good thing so the main things that happen when we use sauna um in relation to 
recovery are the um, increase in levels of growth hormone that your body will produce. So obviously growth hormone does just what it says on the tin and growth hormone is, is really important for building muscle, for recovering from strenuous activity and, and even recovering from injuries and things like that. Uh, and so if we can expose yourself to heat in that manner in the sauna, then improve, uh, increase, sorry, the amount of growth hormone produced, then that is only a good thing for recovery. Now, you've got another, another side to this as well, where actually, for more thinking about the endurance athlete end of the spectrum, just the simple act of sitting in the sauna and spending time in there, so maybe not even attached to a training session, just doing it in its own right, uh, can potentially have performance benefits, you know, because you're sitting there at an elevated heart rate because it's so hot, your body has to work hard. Um, and you can get, as you get dehydrated in the sauna, um, one of the things that can happen then is obviously your, uh, as you get dehydrated, your blood volume goes down. And so then your, um, your body then responds to that. And basically what you're getting is like a, a similar effect to doing some aerobic training in the way that your body kind of responds to the heat basically. Wow. And so, yeah, I, I would suggest that th this has been something that's been around a long, long time. Like it was the Russians who were massively into the saunas in all their old school strength and training literature, along with steroids, which they loved a lot as well. <laughs> but I'm not condoning that. So steroids and saunas and lifting up heavy stuff. But yeah, I would say that it is worthwhile doing. I would say that after training, give yourself 10, 15 minutes just to calm yourself down a bit you know because you're very like stimulated and fired up after training maybe do some breathing exercises just have a little sip of water because it's good to go in there a little dehydrated to help get the um get the positive effects out of the sauna you know you don't want to be dry as a bone and fainting mm -hmm. but you know don't down a liter of water before you go in there and then you know, it really depends on your tolerance. If you're new to it, maybe you can only spend 10 minutes in there. But if you've been doing this a while, then maybe you can do, yeah, 15, 20 minutes. And if you need to, take a couple of minutes break in there as well and just get some fresh air and cool down. And then the important thing here is that you must hydrate afterwards because otherwise it's going to have a negative effect on you and your recovery if you are then chronically dehydrated for the rest of the day and then go to bed dehydrated you know mm. so you're gonna if you've already done like an hour's training session which is then using fluid and then you're sweating out a couple of liters of sweat you know and then a couple of hours after the sauna you need to be getting two three liters of water in wow. and you don't want to be just drinking water you need to get some electrolytes in there as well otherwise you're just gonna dehydrate yourself in the sense of like flushing out all the salts and electrolytes from your body so you can either just use like a himalayan pink salt or sea salt or something like that or you can use like a hydration tab or something similar mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's interesting how that affects you um does the same kind of work in the steam room so i don't think the steam room I, I don't know to be honest but i don't think the steam room because it go actually goes as hot so you feel really hot 
and obviously you kind of wet you are sweating but then you're wet because of the humidity level and everything so i don't really know but i wouldn't well i don't think the outright temperature goes high enough to elicit that however yeah i'm not sure to be honest mm. if, i should have uh, maybe thought about that and researched that one if i'm honest <laughs> yeah yeah it's just that i always preferred the steam room to the sauna <laughs> yeah i do like the the steam as well you know just getting that big deep lung full it does feel pretty good doesn't it mm-hmm. yeah yeah for sure. i mean i must admit i mean i, I read quite you know because although i've been asking people to use sauna suggesting it to some of my athletes and stuff like that um it had been a while since I'd read anything about it. So I did do quite a bit of reading today just to brush up and nothing when they talked about heat exposure as eliciting these effects, none of the articles that I read mentioned steam. So hmm. I, I would uh, probably suggest that sauna is the way to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's an interesting question. So thanks for that, James. It's something, you know, it's something I always thought about after the gym just to relax, just to chill out and relax, but yeah. I never actually thought of the benefits of it as like that. Yeah, definitely. And that relaxation is really valid as well, you know, for just setting you into that nice recovery state. So you just do some nice calm breathing in there and things like that. And uh, yeah, absolutely. As long as you're hydrating afterwards and you don't stay in there so long that you faint or anything, then then you're mm. all good. Mm. And you know 15 20 minutes is that enough is that yeah i think with these things it's easy to get really focused in on the details and and it's more a case of what can you tolerate without it becoming really arduous and how much time have you got but yeah 15 to 20 minutes you know or maybe one day you've got half an hour and you do two lots of 15 minutes with a couple of minutes in between it's all good but Mm. at the end of the day you know five minutes probably not enough you barely get a sweat going do you but mm. you know a decent decent chunk of time in there um and hopefully you should feel the benefits and then you'll be able to just understand your body as well uh, and because you'll get that feedback yourself about how you feel and how you recover and then you can uh, go from there mm-hmm. yeah very good very good all right the next one then is from Cooley mtb again on instagram and Cooley was asking about injury prevention exercises. Now, we did touch on this quite a bit in episode 86 uh, about injury recovery and stuff, but can you just answer a few questions there from Cooley on that? Yeah, for sure. So um, the first thing is that the best injury prevention exercises are ones that are individual to you. And generally, that would be off the back of an assessment so if i get someone in the gym i assess them if you go and see a physio they assess you where you know you're just looking for weaknesses in muscles or movements or mobility um you know where, where are the gaps here that if we fill them will make this rider this athlete more robust and so it may a really really common one would be your overhead mobility gareth so your mm. ability to put your arms straight up overhead without arching your back without flaring your ribs without pain or anything like that because actually loads of people listening to this are not going to be able to do that because they spend too long sitting at desks and sitting on their phone and driving and things mm. and so when we assess that we see oh their arm 
only gets to like 60 degrees instead of 90 degrees or whatever, right there, there is an increased risk of injury, both in training in the gym and also falling off your bike potentially. And so then that person's injury prevention exercises could be some uh, upper back and shoulder mobility and maybe some sort of stability exercise like uh, for the shoulder or something like that. Do you see what I mean? And so Mm -hmm, actually mm -hmm. rather than taking a scattergun approach, we start by saying, where are you lacking? Another good one uh, where, where people can lack, especially uh, women who maybe do or who have worn high heels frequently is their ankle gets very stiff, like their ability to push your knee forwards over your toes. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that that's called dorsiflexion in the jargon. Um, And when you've got really limited dorsiflexion, it puts more potential stress on your knee. For instance, if you like jump or land or change direction, which isn't really a mountain bike thing, but in general, so right there, then injury prevention for that person would be improving their ankle mobility and possibly to go with that, their, their calf strength as well. And that would make that person more robust and hopefully less likely to injure their lower leg or something like that. Now, if we take a broader approach, I'd say that the good good things to try and do for injury prevention are to look after the muscles around your hips, basically, because if your hips are doing the right thing, then that helps to mean your knees are doing the right thing. And if your hips are doing the right thing, then it helps to maybe look after your lower back and core and things like that. So you should, hopefully everyone knows what I'm talking about when I say your glutes, yeah? People say mm-hmm. glutes and bum, yeah? Your bum muscles. Now, mm-hmm. they are like really big, powerful muscles for extending the hip, for like jumping, for running, for sprinting your bike. But also on the side of your hip there, you've, you've got another part of your glutes called the glute med, okay? Now, what that does is that basically, if you were to stand, to stand up straight, like, like a soldier to attention and lift your leg out straight out to the side, a straight leg. That's effectively one of the jobs that that does. And when that's not working properly or it's weak or, you know, you just spend too long sittings, it's not really doing what we want. Then that can then cause quite a lot of like lateral movement at the knee. And so when someone squats, their knee drops into the middle or that person you've cycled behind and at the top of the pedal stroke, their knee comes across and nearly hits the top tube, that mm. lateral knee movement. Um, so a really good thing that I prescribe to like 99% of the people I coach is to do some, do some like glute work there. So working on the side of your bum and hip basically. And that's a great place to start along with making sure that your whole body mobility is decent. Okay. If you've got any big glaring gaps in that, then you need to work on them. And then, you know what, at the most basic level, best way to prevent injury is to be strong, Gareth, you know, Mm -hmm. because we could talk about being flexible, this or whatever, but actually having a bit of muscle, not being a, not like a bodybuilder, but a bit of muscle and just to be strong so that, wherever your limbs are in space, you have strength in those positions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if my legs stuck out to side, I've got some strength there because I train in different positions. 
if my arms are stretched out as I'm about to like clatter into the floor on a trail, mm. I've got some strength in those positions to absorb energy and that sort of thing. And at the heart of it, you know, strength is the best injury prevention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we touched on that quite a bit on, on the other episode we've done, um, if muscle actually helped prevent injury. Yeah. I mean, it's so hard to measure these things and to really qualify it. But, mm. but yeah, you know, it's, it's the, got to be the best body armor really well to be honest the best body armor is probably a thick layer of body fat over the top if i'm honest but that's probably not desirable for your health <laughs> or your performance but um <laughs> yeah but, all right but yeah muscle um but more importantly strength the, the, mm-hmm. the ability to to be strong to exert force in different positions that you may find yourself in in life on the bike in the gym that is what's going to give you some protection. Mm. Yeah, because these downhill racers and these enduro racers, they're incredibly strong fellas, but they're not built, you know, like a bodybuilder, as say. They're quite lean, no, no. but very no. strong. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and it's really interesting, though, that in our sport, that it's not like in rugby where you say, if you play in this position, this is how you look, pretty much. But actually, you know, we've got such a range of shapes, sizes, heights and stuff like that. And all competing for the top step, you know, Mm. in enduro and in downhill, obviously. And it's been interesting seeing cross country. They've got quite a bit, um, a bit heavier these days. Well, that's Mm. how, how it appears to me. They're a lot stockier. They're more powerful as the races have got shorter. The laps have got shorter with real punchy technical climbs. Whereas before the cross country rider tended to be a little lighter and more sinewy and more like a Tour de France climber or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because I remember seeing a photo, I think it was maybe from some of the guys here in Malta, but one of the guys, the guy that was standing on, on the number one spot was very, very thin. Doesn't even yeah. look to have much muscle. And I thought, you know, if you were to look at those three guys and you had to guess which one of them had won the race, you wouldn't have said him because he just looked like a normal skinny dude, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, but he yeah. might be savagely strong. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, if your power to weight is good, then yeah. And that's the other great thing with that X factor about mountain biking is that you can't look at someone and guess how skillful they are because, mm-hmm. and, and that is, well, especially in downhill enduro, you know, skill skills win races. You know, if you're not breaking, then, uh, yeah, you could probably get away with being a little less fit or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, now, Alex Johnson on email asks, how do you best get motivated for gym sessions? Yeah, that's a good question. That is a good one. Now, I would kind of almost go back a step and before you even talk about today's gym session or something and at the heart of it is why why are you training in the first place and that that why always needs to be at the heart of everything you know in Mm -hmm. life as well really as in training because understanding why you're going to put this work in that then provides the motivation that then provides the 
the kick the kick up the arse you need yeah. to get yeah. out the door when it's raining. You know, just saying, oh yeah, I'm, I'm training, um, you know, for X race or whatever. Okay, but but why why does that race matter to you? Why would be turning up to that race fit and strong make you feel good you know what what's at the heart of this you know rather than just that surface layer understanding like how it's going to make you feel why it's important to you because ultimately that is what's going to motivate you to get out the door when it's raining to get in the gym after a long day of work when you've been stressed out by your boss or something and maybe you're lacking motivation on that particular day that's where the why becomes really important Mm-hmm. Just to think, you know, remember why you're doing this. Remember what what that end goal is. You know, what am I working towards? How good is it going to feel this summer when, you know, aesthetically you look in the mirror and you, you're lean and you're looking good? Or when you are, you know, you're weak in morzine and you don't have to take a, a half day because you're absolutely ruined on the third day or something. You know, mm-hmm. so that that's probably the most important thing I would say is to do that. But then a couple of the top tips are training partner is really helpful. Um, mm-hmm. If you've got someone on a similar sort of program who trains at a similar time to you, because just like going for a ride, you don't want to be the, the one who's like, oh, I'm bailing. You know, <laughs> you don't want to leave your mate in the lurch and hopefully they wouldn't do that to you. Um, and then I guess that's the motivation bit is kind of the difference in a way between the amateur and the professional. Whereas the professional maybe can still go to the gym and really perform, even if on that day they're not motivated because it's very much their like job it's habit. And, you know, they say like champions, a bit, uh, championships are won on, on the, the bad days, aren't they? And that sort of thing mm-hmm. and it's kind of the same when you look at a whole six months of winter training or whatever you know you're not going to turn up to every session totally pumped but you know you've got to do it and you're just going to get it done mm-hmm. yeah and i think it's really important to have something to aim for like you say because i always knew i trained a lot more and a lot harder in the gym when i was maybe playing american football at that time or doing something like that that really helped you know your saturday afternoon or in mountain biking terms your sunday ride with your mates you just got more enjoyment because you weren't out of breath you were enjoying yourself more i think that is a real key thing to motivate you to go to the gym is just to enjoy your riding more basically yeah exactly exactly and it's just digging into that and really understanding that you know and whether it's like a a a sort of a negative or a positive like the more of a negative one could be i don't like getting dropped on the sunday ride you know whereas a more positive one could be very much like goal or outcome focus or something like that you Mm. know that's what i'm working towards um Mm -hmm. you know maybe even race results and things like that or it might just be being able to go and just really enjoy the riding on an expensive holiday that you've been saving up for and working hard for. So you want to make sure you make the most of it, you know? Yeah, exactly. No, it makes sense. Do you think you lose motivation when you get older? Is it easier to lose motivation when you get older? Um, 
you're not old enough to answer that question. I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm 40 next month, so I don't know when I qualify. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know when I qualify as old. You <laughs> see, um, I don't know. I think I really think that people, everyone's just different, aren't they? I, mm. I'm. I'm going to sit on the fence a bit with that. I'm not sure really. Um, mm-hmm. I think that as you get older, there's more things, there's more people, there's more stress trying to pull you away from maybe looking after yourself and things like that. And actually you need to keep focused on, on the why and on your goals in order to keep yourself training, keep yourself moving forwards with your fitness and your riding and things like that. But, um, I don't see any reason why motivation should wane as you get older, to be honest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And who's your oldest client or what age is your oldest client? Oof. So that I personally coach in the gym, I reckon we're looking at maybe 52 or something. Okay. Um, and do they ride yeah. bikes? Or? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they mountain bike. Yeah, they're decent. Good rider. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's probably my oldest at the moment. I've I've worked with one guy who's a bit closer to sixty uh, a few mm. years back. Um, yeah, I think I think that's probably my oldest. I know that I might have an online client that's older than that, mm-hmm. like using my online programs, but I'm not sure to be honest. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, no, cool stuff, cool stuff. All right, uh, let's bounce on to the next one. This is from Kurt Stevens on Instagram, and Kurt asks how best to use interval training. Well, so first of all, again, like take it back a step. You know, what are we trying to get out of interval training? Why why are we doing interval training? You know, what aspect of your on-bike fitness are we trying to improve here? Is it to push your lactate threshold up, you know, for like cross-country or something, for like Mm. long uh, extended climbs? Or is it to improve your like ability to repeatedly sprint for three minutes on an enduro or a downhill track. So that, that's, I guess the first thing is understanding what we're trying to achieve because that's then going to inform, uh, you know, when he says how best to use intervals, I mean, mm-hmm. the best way to use intervals is to apply the correct type of intervals because if we apply the correct training stimulus and the correct sort of interval session, then you get the response in your body that, that we need. Yeah. So rather than just picking random sessions that you got off the internet or social media, or that your mate told you when you went riding, actually, what am I trying to get out of this? You know, are are these 30 second intervals or are they five minute intervals? And is, is the rest greater than the work, the same as the work, or is the rest less than the work period? You know, because mm-hmm. they all have different effects and so and different, um, you know, levels of difficulty and intensity and things mm-hmm. like that. So that's the first thing is to just understand what are you trying to achieve? And then basically, you know, I'd suggest if, you, if you're doing your own program, work through you know, something, a fairly linear progression where let's just keep it really simple. Let's say, you know, we're we're looking at one minute of work. Yeah. One minute of really hard work. So that's probably going to be like a zone five. If you do zones or something working on your 
the amount of power you can put out at, at VO2 max. So real hard intervals, you know, where you're approaching max heart rate by the mm. end of each minute. Now, initially, maybe you do one minute of work followed by three minutes of recovery mm. because initially we want to just really increase the amount of work we can do in that minute and then we want to recover fully to go again but then as you approach maybe race season where you're required to do repeated efforts in a short space of time with shorter recovery we then move that recovery down and so closer to the season you might do one minute on one minute off or something like that and so you've Mm -hmm. got like a, a progression and in between you might do one minute on two minutes off you know, so you go, so you're moving closer to the race season and the intensity increases by reducing the duration of the recovery or something mm-hmm. like that. And so it's all very well saying, oh, you know, this is the most race specific interval session for whatever it is you're doing. But if you haven't done the work before that, then that session is going to be too intense for you. And after two reps, the rest of the reps are going to be total rubbish because mm-hmm. you're not going to mm-hmm. you're not going to survive. You're going to be absolutely <laughs> blown up, to be honest. Um, so, so yeah, I'd say start with longer recovery periods in in you know when compared to the work period, and as you approach your race or your event or something like that, then in general you would want to reduce the recovery periods so that you, it then becomes more specific to your event. So just, mm-hmm. yeah, define what you want to do, what you're trying to get out of it, what's the training effect that you want to get from interval training, and then that informs you for how to build the sessions then that you can then do. And the final thing I'll say about how best to use intervals is to do them when you're fresh because these are like the hardest parts of your week at interval sessions. Mm. And if you're starting it tired with sore legs, then all you're going to achieve is you're going to get more tired and more sore potentially. And actually you're not going to improve your fitness because you haven't put out enough in that session because you're starting behind, behind the curve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. And interval training Ben can be, anything it just doesn't have to be on a bike right yeah that's true yeah so it could be it could be running um it could be kettlebell swings you know you could do you know yeah like 10 20 30 seconds a minute of kettlebell swings followed by recovery followed by swings again you know Mm -hmm. it's anything where it's it's intermittent so we've got a, a period of work followed by a period of either complete rest or maybe an active recovery where you're still doing something, but at a low intensity and then repeating and going again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you don't have to be on a gym and a, uh, on a bike and a gym doing these intervals. It can be anything really just depending yeah, on what you want. The the outcome I, mean, to be. I mean, in its most, <laughs> although obviously the durations vary massively, and a normal just mountain bike trail ride, if you do a lap of a trail centre, that's kind of interval training in a way as well, just just without structure, because you'll come to a steep bit and maybe you stand up to clean it. Your heart rate jumps up 20 beats and then you spin along a flat bit chatting to your mates and your heart rate drops 30 beats. And then you drop into a really technical downhill that's three minutes long 
and maybe you're back up there another you know to where you were 30 40 beats higher and so it's the same sort of uh, same sort of effect you know it's mm-hmm. and it's kind of like the difference between going for a steady jog and playing football football is like interval training it's like short intense efforts followed by walking and a little bit of jogging mm-hmm. it's, it's all it's all the same sort of thing yeah yeah and it makes things so much more difficult when you're doing interval training you know i remember doing this training thing years ago um it was like a ufc fighting thing but it was just yeah. really to get you fit and to get you and there was one he done this 30 minute complete workout thing and you see you were four or five minutes into it and you were like this is so easy you see uh, by minute you see by minute eight you were in trouble it yeah. was brutal but by that stage you were going up down you know up standing then going down then going back up and throwing a few punches a few kicks then going down once you start going up and down like that things change dramatically yeah because everywhere in your body wants blood and oxygen basically upper body lower body brain oh yeah yeah uh, and you know what i mean who knows you know exactly the details of that session now all those years ago but it's just about figuring out you know what what's that session trying to achieve and you know and then that kind of validates its place or whether it should or shouldn't be in your training program and if it's constructive and there's nothing wrong with you know general fitness and health just just doing like a savage workout that pushes you mentally and physically because it's just a good thing to do but as part of a structured training program where we're working towards specific goals you know in mountain biking Mm. or whatever then actually it's like you know let's just have a little think about why we're doing this and what we're what we're going to get out of the other end Mm -hmm. yeah yeah no, interesting because it's difficult. And I don't know if anybody enjoys doing interval training, really. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Sometimes, <laughs> maybe. Sometimes. Yeah, type two. It feels good when it's done, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, now, Dana Murr on email asks Does cardio training work for endurance? Yeah, it's a bit of a funny one, the wording there. I'm not. Yeah. So, yeah, just, I mean, because. By cardio training, most people think of, yeah, like cycling or jogging or running or something like that. So, well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's cardio is short for cardiovascular, as in, um, you know, your blood and your heart basically are working, pumping oxygenated blood around your body to fuel exercise, to fuel movement. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so if you want to improve your endurance i.e the distance you can go or duration you can go then the training you do is by its very definition cardiovascular so yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well you know it's an interesting question in a way because the next question from uh d for scythe is should you be working on cardio training in the gym or strength training and maybe that's what dan is getting at is in you know, for mountain biking, should she be working on cardio in the gym or maybe working more on strength training or does strength training help your endurance? Those kind of 
two questions kind of overlapping a, li- a little bit. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, should you do cardio or strength at the gym? Well, the annoying answer, as always, pretty much, Gareth, is it depends. So, <laughs> you know, uh, so if, you, if you're telling me you can only get to the gym twice in a week, that's fine. Then I would say your time is best spent at the gym getting stronger you know improving your strength and your power basically because that's the best place to do that because then you can improve your you know your on-bike fitness by well riding your bike or you know and if you can't get out for rides in the week then maybe you can jump on a turbo or or something like that you know Mm. so from that point of view if you've only got limited time and opportunities to go to the gym then use it for what it's for. Having said that, as I'm sure people are well aware, we can really use you know, your time in the gym to do a bit of both as well. So there's no reason to say that you can't um, you know, do your strength training and then finish a session on the rower, for instance, you mm-hmm. know, working uh, you know, more thinking about your like, energy system, so your cardiovascular system. You know, again, thinking about what your goal event is or trip or race or whatever and, and what you're trying to achieve. So, you know, so you've got those mixed sessions, but then, yeah, you can absolutely go to a gym and if maybe if you're lucky, maybe they've got a Watt bike or something. And then that is a really, really powerful tool for improving your on-bike fitness because you can quantify what your fitness is on day one through testing and there's loads of tests preloaded on the watt bike so you can record that you can then use it to do very specific training and then you can retest to uh, you know quantify your progress and to really validate the program that you've been doing because if what you've been doing doesn't put your numbers up then you know you need to do something different so from that point of view you know yes you can do cardio as they call it at the gym i.e you know, training your cycling, if you like. Mm-hmm. But, you know, especially hopefully spring is going to arrive here in the UK soon. You know, it'll be really nice, you know, because who wants to sit inside on a on a turbo or on a bike when you could be outside? Like, not me, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, in, in an ideal world, strength happens in the gym and, like, most of your riding happens outside if possible apart from using something like a watt bike, if you've got access to it, for some testing and a little bit of very focused training. Um, yeah, because you can measure your numbers, which is really useful. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I want to ask you here, actually, about strength training, Ben, is does it actually help you lose weight? So, well, there's a couple of sides to this. Number one, any sort of activity is going to be you know you know any sort of training sorry is going to be helping you to burn more calories because it takes energy to train so from that point of view uh yes and also when you've got more muscle it basically pushes up that base amount of calories that you burn day to day just by functioning and living you know so if you've got more Mm. muscle mass you need more calories basically so again that helps like that but the caveat is that if you don't then respond to 
training at the gym by eating more because it you know <laughs> so do you see what i mean because at the end of the day if you want to lose weight then then you know you're you need to be in a calorie deficit i.e mm. you're burning more than you're eating and the gym can contribute to that but ultimately you know it's what you're eating uh, that probably plays a bigger role yeah yeah it's and, and why I ask that is because I know David who asked the question there about okay. cardio training. Um, and David trains hard. He lifts heavy. He's a big guy. Um, and he's just got into biking quite recently. Cool. And, you know, so he really enjoys the strength training side of things in the gym. Um, so that's why he was asking, should he be working on cardio or working on strength training in the gym? Uh, because yeah. he wants to lose a bit of weight. You know, he's carrying, he's a big guy, but he's maybe carrying a little bit more body fat than he would like to. So he's wanting yeah. to lose a little bit of that as well. You know, more specifically for, for the bike. So, yeah. um, so it, it all, rather than focusing like, is this the best thing or this the best thing is you've got to look at the, the bigger picture really. And, you know, and at, at the end of the day, food is going to be the biggest difference there because, you know, if he's already doing some training and he's riding his bike, then actually, you know, he's doing the right things there. And it just sounds like at the moment, if he's staying the same weight or putting on weight, then that would imply that he's eating too much, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think these powerlifters just eat whatever they want. Now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe some do. Although, the, yeah when you talk about actual powerlifting, that's a weight controlled sports There's weight classes. So some of them have to do some savage last minute cuts like a fighter does, mm-hmm. which probably, probably isn't that healthy just to get in the next uh, weight category down. Cause mm-hmm. then you're more likely to win <laughs> if you're the biggest <laughs> in the category. Yeah. 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 Um, now the next one's quite an interesting one because I'm sure most people have experienced this at some stage. Um, from riding bikes or whatever and i think you got uh this question as well i got it from yes. tommy mcneil on email and uh, yeah, tommy I was asking got it. Yeah, you sorry, got it got too it. Yeah. yeah 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 um he was asking why do i keep getting arm pump and can i do something in the gym to help this stop okay now here is a whole can of worms <laughs> oh no <laughs> and you know there a bit of a dark art stroke you know like tricky tricky subject where everyone's got an opinion and in my experience you just have to try a lot of things to see what works for that certain person okay Mm. so at the heart of it we've got a few things okay so arm pump yeah, it's when your arm gets literally like pumped full of blood, it goes rock hard, and then that then translates further downstream to basically weakness in your hands and fingers. So you can't hold the bars, you can't pull the brakes, and ultimately, in the most extreme cases, you either let go or fall off, or you have to pull over and stop and like get the blood pumping in your hands again and like rub your forearms before you can ride again. Mm-hmm. And it, for some people, it absolutely just ruins their riding because some people just seem a lot more prone to it than others, uh, whereas some people just never seem to get it. Mm. Um, so, first of all, what I would do is I'd actually have a quick look at the the bike and setup, 
and also that rider's level of skill and related to that their body position so generally a more skilled rider with a better riding position is going to have a lot more weight through the legs and a lot less weight through the hands and they're just going to be lighter with the hands on the bars so building a solid riding position where you're in that hinged position where you've got pretty straight legs your bums push back your back is flat your elbows are out in that position there most of the weight is is in the pedals basically and so straight away by getting that right we're taking some of the the pressure out of the hands okay so we can then also have a look at some setup things like you know trying thicker or thinner grips and things like that to see what works for you maybe smaller hands smaller grips bigger hands bigger grips um even things like you know are you misguidedly running your suspension really hard because that's what you think you need to do to ride to be faster or something Mm. you know so look at all of those things first of all um and also the the angle of your brake levers which is another one that divides opinion but i would suggest that for most people something relatively neutral if you sit on your saddle put your arm out arms out straight onto the grips and basically run an imaginary line sort of down your arm into a straight finger somewhere in that region there give or take 10 or 20 degrees is probably where you want to be um because that's just going to have a nice straight line um talking then about the actual arm pump issue for some people it may be a strength issue i.e we need to get their forearms stronger but actually that doesn't seem to get a huge return in my experience yes we want you know if you're grip is like weak as piss then absolutely we need to strengthen that but actually most people have been riding for a while and training for a while and anybody who does like a manual job with their hands your grip's probably going to be strong enough for most you know amateur Mm. level Mm. fun riding it's only if you go to morzine or somewhere that you can maybe get caught out there so but yeah grip training is basically yeah just picking stuff up in the gym picking your body weight up pull-ups body weight rows deadlifts romanian deadlifts anything like that and and just by doing all those normal things in the gym you get a really strong grip uh, mm. training stimulus anyway without having to focus on it but if you do want to focus on it then things like farmer's walks are really good pick up a couple of heavy kettlebells or dumbbells and walk with them that's a really good way to do it um as well as yeah body weight exercises like chin-ups pull-ups and rows and things like that um we've then got kind of the other aspect of it which is actually how it manifests itself so if you want to think about your forearm and in fact your whole body is kind of being divided into compartments okay and the compartments of like muscle and blood vessels and things like that are wrapped up in fascia okay which is basically like kind of like a fibrous sort of sheet i guess is the way you could describe it that wraps up and encloses certain you know different compartments within the body 
for different functions. And what happens is that the forearm, whilst it's working, gets pumped up. The compartment gets pumped up with blood and so full that it actually then becomes so tight that it restricts the blood flow down to the hand mm-hmm. and the fingers, which is why you get that that weakness in the hand because they're just physically not getting the blood through the forearm because it's so tight. Mm-hmm. And so at the most extreme end of the spectrum, you can go and have on pump surgery. Yeah. <laughs> where yeah. they, yeah. Where, which is quite common in motocross mm. and even in like MotoGP, like Danny mm-hmm. Pedrosa famously exactly, yeah. had, yeah, famously had arm pump surgery because he, it was stopping him being able to compete at the highest level where they basically go into your forearm. You get a savage scar off of it by the look of Instagram, by the look of, the pictures I saw today and um, yeah, they, they basically open up the compartment to give your muscles and blood vessels in the forearm more space to expand. So you don't get that build up of pressure and therefore you get better blood flow. Now, mm. how many of your listeners, including me, are going to do that? <laughs> Probably none of them. Okay. <laughs> so what, what can we do? couple of things. Number one, is I would suggest gently trying to just warm up your forearm and wrist and hand before you ride. So there's just a good flow of blood in the first place, rather than just starting cold with a low heart rate and no temperature, no blood flowing. You know, let's get some blood flowing at the start of the ride or before you drop in so that we're already ahead of the game. Other things that you can do are between runs, you, you know, to help, get the blood out of the forearm and to get things flowing again, you can do some gentle self massage on the forearms, like running your thumbs up the forearms or, you know, if you're away at a race or like a downhill race, then maybe you can get someone to do that for you. Like you might have a friend who do that for you or your mum or whatever, <laughs> then uh, get them on the case with some massage and release on the forearm. Um, and then there are products out there as well that, um, what's it called it basically clamps onto your forearm uh i'll, I'll uh sorry mate I've, i can't quite remember what it's called but i'll yeah. email you the um the product later i've got no connection to it or anything but mm, mm. it's a product that anecdotally you know according to reviews and you know lots of really high profile riders it basically clamps onto your forearm and it helps you just perform some like stretches to kind of get everything moving in the forearm before you ride and then you take it off and then it helps to alleviate arm pump during riding. But the bottom line is, uh, yeah, set up strength and then just like looking after the forearm area by warming it up, by doing some massage, doing some release on it and then just being smart as well. If you're going to be riding on Saturday and don't do a heavy gym session with loads of grip work on the Friday because then you're starting behind the curve because your forearm is going to be fatigued and, mm. you know, sore and things like that, you know. So just, just be a little smart with how you put your training together and things like that so that your your forearm is fresh, you know. Don't be like, go bouldering or something like that to get stronger <laughs> forearms and then go riding the next day and expect it to be fine because it won't be. Mm-hmm. well 
Can I tell you how I got it a couple of times? And can I yeah. tell you how I got it? Yeah, go on. I hadn't been out in the bike for quite a while. And the first time I went out, we were doing a red trail. It was wet. And there's it can be quite slippy. It's kind of rooty and rocky. And, and I got to the end of the trail and I was experiencing arm pump really bad. And then I thought to myself, I know why I'm getting that. Yeah. It's because I was gripping too hard. I wasn't yeah. relaxed and kind of, this may sound stupid, but kind of letting the, the handlebar grips move a little in, in my grip, if you know what I mean, and just yeah. be just be more just be more relaxed on the bike. I think because it was the first time I'd been out for a while and the conditions, etc., I'd just been holding on too, too, too tight. Absolutely, that death grip and all that tension that comes with that as well. So yeah, that that confidence, that riding position, and all of that all then tied together by like they compound each other, don't they? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know it's weird because talking about Danny Pedrosa, I think that happened to him quite late in his career as well. Oh, I didn't. I, I don't know when he had it actually. I used yeah. to. I used to really follow the MotoGP, but I haven't really watched it in a few years now. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know if. Maybe the symptoms got worse as he got older, or maybe he's got to the point where he just couldn't take it anymore. He's like, right, open me up. Because it's quite yeah. a big big thing to have done, really. Oh, wow. Yeah, Should not to be taken lightly. Well, I think he's broke every bone in his body, so it's probably nothing major to him. <laughs> oh, mate, they're lunatics, those boys. Yeah, absolutely crazy. Yeah, yeah crazy indeed. Um, now, here's a question I want to ask you myself. Yeah. Because I see quite a lot of guys doing it. Do you think road training helps your, your mountain biking? So training on a road bike, do you think that helps with MTB? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not saying you must use a road bike or whatever, but at the end of the day, you know, turning the pedals and, you know, if you're doing smart training, then, yeah, absolutely, it's going to benefit your, your mountain bike. Uh fitness and performance um all you've got to remember is as you approach you know if you're a racer or whatever as you approach the racing then your training needs to become more like the racing so you need to spend Mm. more time on the bike working on your skills and so your race bike feels like an extension of your body but absolutely the road bike is, is a great tool um it's really useful in some ways because because of the nature of roads compared to uh, off-road, you've got a lot more control over like your pace and your level of exertion and stuff. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. If you go to a trail centre, maybe, or like a hilly one in Kum Khan or something like that, to do a loop, then even with 12-speed Eagle these days, actually, if you just simply want to get up the hill, you've got to work pretty hard, mm-hmm. whereas actually sometimes you might want to do a ride that's a lot easier. It's like a zone two base fitness ride and they can be quite hard to do on the mountain bike, especially in the wet mud and all the dragginess. Whereas on a road bike, you know, you can nearly always do that unless you live in the Alps or something. You can nearly always uh, get out and do a zone two base miles ride because, you know, the roads don't tend to be as steep. They're not as draggy and you can just spin along. Similarly, um, 
yeah, it's easier to do like repeated efforts and things like that as long as it's safe with like traffic mm. and cars and things like that. So yeah, absolutely crack on. Just um, yeah, steer clear of the lycra too much. Is my, <laughs> my, <it's> my advice. <laughs> yeah, cool, cool, good advice. Make sure, make sure I always make sure when I'm on the roadie, I always make sure I'm wearing a helmet with the peak, just so that people know I'm not a roadie. Just <laughs> just yeah. just in case anyone's mistaken. <laughs> yeah good you should get a sweater or something with on the bike of it not a roadie definitely <laughs> yeah and i don't wear those stupid road shoes and pedals because like as soon as you click they're retarded oh you get off the bike and then they can't even stand on them yeah, so they've got these massive bits sticking out so no i run i run crank brothers uh little candies those little pedals oh yeah on, yeah on the roadie as well they're such good bits of kit because then i get off the bike and i can actually function as a human instead of looking like like someone on on ice skates who can't skate so that's <laughs> oh, yeah. deadly, deadly roadies are a funny bunch mm-hmm. all right now let's go on to our last one here is from michael b from facebook and he calls himself i i haven't said this, this he calls himself the weekend warrior cool so, um he says how good is mountain biking for losing weight happy days so yeah we touched on it a little bit earlier mm. but basically it's just it's just another tool it's not like really good or better than something else it's just another part of the picture that is yeah absolutely beneficial especially if you're coming from not doing exercise and starting exercise then it's absolutely you know amazing because you're burning calories you're doing something positive and yeah, it, it can absolutely be part of a plan or, or a program that's focused on fat loss to improve your, your health and things like that. Things to watch out for are going for a really hard ride for a few hours, and we've all experienced it, where you then you get back and your appetite has just gone insane and you like come back and then you smash two roast dinners. <laughs> you literally, you finish your Sunday roast and then you're like, I'm so hungry. And you have like a pudding and then you basically have another whole roast dinner because you're so hungry and you're at bottomless pit because you haven't fueled yourself properly. And maybe you've gone a bit too hard and too long. So, you know, that's like kind of the only risk I think of like real savage bike rides is that you can overeat afterwards. But, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's all about getting yourself into a consistent calorie deficit. So not just a deficit for a day or a few days, but if you actually want to lose body fat, then you need to be in a calorie deficit over a prolonged period of time, just consistently. Mm-hmm. And so, and there's a hundred different ways to approach that, to structure that. Uh, but at the heart of it, you go back to what we talked about, why that motivation, you know, why, why do you want to lose that body fat? Cause when it gets hard, when you get tempted by the donuts at work on a Friday, or when you get tempted to skip training, cause it's raining that why that is what gets you out the door. That's what helps you make good food choices. And that's what helps keep you on pro on, um, on target basically. Mm. So yeah, it's figuring out, roughly you know 
where can I cut some calories out of my diet? Where can I burn some calories by walking more, by doing a bit more day to day? And yeah, if you go for a big ride on the weekend and maybe an hour, one evening a week, then that's absolutely a brilliant thing to do. You know, and on a weekend ride, you can burn a couple of thousand calories like easily in a few hour mm. ride, especially if you're overweight because you can a lot of weight around. So yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's good. And if you enjoy doing it as well, it really helps. Huh? Yeah. From that point of view, rather than saying, yeah, I hate running, but I'm going to start running to lose weight. Well, if you hate it, then unless you suddenly have an epiphany and decide to change your mind and love it, then actually that, regime that exercise plan is only gonna have a very limited life before you quit Mm. so from that point of view you're right you know um that having something that you love that you enjoy that you're passionate about means that even if you are having a bad day you're probably still going to go mountain biking you're still going to chip away another load of calories out of your weekly total you know to help you get in a deficit so and the great thing about mountain biking as well is that yeah you've got the whole like social aspect to it as well you know going riding with your friends and things like that it's going to help help make you get out which is really valuable but you don't want to be always going riding with those uh friends who are always trying to twist your arm into having cake at the mid-ride stop or having <laughs> four pints of guinness at the end of the ride and stuff like that because you know they need to be on board as well you need to get them on board to to help you Otherwise, it's going to be a real struggle. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, is there anything else you want to add to that, Ben? Um, just as a general, or anything for the fat loss? Just for the the all the questions there. Or? Um, I think at the heart of it, yeah, the the main messages I always want to get across are one of consistency, which people are probably bored of me saying because every podcast or article I go on about, you know, I'm, I'm a big consistency fan basically you know about make a plan that you can do consistently for the next six months and then you'll see some real progress rather than the very short-term approach that most people have and they're only worried about how fit they are in two weeks but then in four weeks they've quit you know or Mm. or stopped or got injured or got ill or whatever so consistency is always the key have a look at what time or energy you've got available what can you do consistently for the next six months to be a better human and a better mountain biker and that's a great place to start and then it's thinking either thinking and figuring out yourself or getting some professional help from a coach either face-to-face or online program or something like that it's thinking you know what what do i actually need to do to get better at, you know, the type of mountain biking I do, whether it's downhill racing, cross country, enduro, or just riding a lap of Hampstead Forest or whatever on a on a Saturday with the boys. And then let that that then determine the sort of training you do, rather than just like mindlessly beasting yourself doing random workouts and stuff like that. Um and it's just just trying to be smart, you know. How can mm. I get the most performance with the least amount of work? Which doesn't make you lazy, you know, because ultimately your sport is mountain biking. Your sport isn't training in the gym, you know. Mm. Not you're not a crossfitter or a powerlifter or an Olympic lifter. Your sport is mountain biking, 
And so if we want to use the gym to improve your mountain biking, then what we're looking for is the most bang for the buck, not just to ruin yourself as much as possible in the gym. It's like, how can I get fit and powerful and strong in the gym and still leave myself plenty of energy to go and ride my bike and become a better rider as well and stuff like that. So I guess that's my message at the end of the day, you know, keep it simple, keep it relatively specific and think about the why at the heart of everything because that kind of unlocks it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, good advice, good advice. Now, tell us a wee bit, Ben, about what you've got going on and your online programs and stuff like that and how you can help people get motivated and, and train for MTB and stuff. Yeah, cool. So uh, I guess the main thing I've got going on online is I run something called the Complete MTB Programme, and it's a monthly subscription-based programme. And it, it literally, as the name suggests, gives you everything you need for mountain bike training. So every four weeks you get a new gym program. So strength, power, conditioning, mobility, all of that. And you also get on bike training as well. So uh, endurance, sprints, intervals, all properly structured, all progressing from like a, a foundation level, like building up every four weeks, it gets a little harder, a little more intense and things like that and it's all supported with like loads of uh like really plain english like training materials no jargon you get full ex um video tutorials of all the exercises as well as extra like hints tips and educational videos and things like that to help you along the way so normally that's 32 pounds per month gareth mm. but use the code tribe at checkout and you can get 50 percent off the first month Okay, so it's only £16 to join, or you can get an annual subscription for only £300, which saves you a whole load of cash. Wow, cool, and then, yeah. And then you, yeah, then you know you're squared away for a whole year ahead. Um, and then, you know, yeah, you know you're mm. doing the right stuff, and all the questions we've just done are all answered, basically, for mm. you. Mm, uh, cool. Yeah, and for the guys who are paying month to month, there's no contract or tie-in or anything like that. You can you can uh, leave whenever you want to, but of course you won't want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And effectively, I suppose what your programs are doing is getting people into the gym, getting them doing the exercises that benefit and help their mountain biking the most. So they're not doing exercises i don't want to say wasting time but they're not doing exercises that maybe don't help them as much as something else could exactly it's trying to train smart and understanding that all all the people listening everyone's busy you know everyone's got a lot going on and so look let's use your time smartly here so you know you're doing the right stuff you know you're going to do it in the correct way and as well as that i really try and educate people through the program as well which you can take or leave. It's up to you. Some people don't read it. Some people love it. Um, so that you understand the why, which I've talked about mm. earlier, because that helps you to buy into the process when you're like, oh, this is a strange exercise or this is a bit different or why are we doing like this? I try and explain a lot of that as we go along. And that helps people to, to really buy into the program. Uh, and then that ultimately helps them to get really good results on it. And mm. I've got people all over the world using it from elite racers to, you know, people, yeah, like I talked about earlier, who just want to feel good when they go to Morzine this summer. Um, 
and yeah it's it's absolutely rock solid and like all my programs if you don't ride faster you can give me a shout and we'll sort you out a refund not that that ever happens but yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. cool and you also do a a no gem program as well don't you ben yeah i've got a bodyweight program as well um which is yeah that's like my entry level program to yeah my training approach and things like that it's called the bodyweight strength program and that is only 16 pounds it's a one-time purchase so it's not a subscription um and all you need is a pull-up bar and you know a couple of hours a week to start making some good good progress and the discount code doesn't work for that but we'll get a link for that in the show notes as well if people are interested in that yeah and if anyone's got any questions like following up from what we've done today then please feel free to drop you know drop me a line on the social media and i will 100 percent get back to you although there may be a slight delay because any moment now my wife is going to have a baby so (laughs) So another one yeah number two yeah number two (laughs) was due yesterday so um yeah luckily we've got through this recording without wow a, a scream from the uh, end of the house and as my wife goes into labor but yeah i will get back to people but it may be a little more delayed yeah. than usual congratulations me are you excited yeah really excited really excited we're gonna have a, a little boy to go with our little girl so uh, wow, awesome. and then after after that, i'm just gonna tie a knot in it i think we're done <laughs> <laughs> yeah man yeah um well that's brilliant that's you've got a lot to look forward to throughout the year then yeah yeah i'm really excited turning 40 baby number two and uh yeah just it's been a good start to the year apart from the weather and just looking forward to yeah getting out and riding lots of my friends and spending time with the family and doing all that good stuff and also yeah going to some races with my uh some of my guys as well so that that's always good yeah brilliant Seeing them on some podiums makes all the the work in the winter months worthwhile. Aye, it's great, and I, I did see your social posts on that that you've got you've got guys on podiums and stuff, and that's really cool to see. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. Like I, I I like nothing more than a Monday in the summer when I can hit repost on my phone and like oh look at little Billy on the top of the podium or look at so and so on the podium or yeah yeah. And sometimes there's two or three from all across the country or whatever, which is good. So Wow, amazing, man, amazing. Do those guys train or mostly train with you one-on-one or is it the online? Uh, yeah, real mixture. So some online um, and then mostly people who come and see me in the gym. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all right. Well, Ben, here, listen, thanks so much for coming back on, bro, and helping us get ready for the race season and answer some questions that people are maybe struggling with. So it's all good. Happy days. Yeah, thanks so much. It's, yeah, third time on. So you'll probably be fed up with me for a couple of years now. But um, yeah, I really hope you enjoyed it. And yeah, I love being love coming back on. And thanks for having me. Yeah, no bothers, Ben. Thanks so much. And here, good luck with the new one and everything else, bro. I hope everything goes well for you there. Yeah, me too. Thanks very much, mate. Cheers. That's a wrap for episode 130, folks. Now, I hope that has helped you. I hope it has helped maybe get you into the thinking of doing something a little bit more specific in the gym as far as your MTB training goes and I hope it has answered some of the issues or problems and questions you've had with gym stuff there as always Ben is is so knowledgeable in the whole process and uh, just get in contact with Ben if you want any more info on that. Now don't forget that Ben has offered you guys 50% off your first month subscription with his complete MTB 
programme. It's an awesome, awesome programme as we chat about in the podcast. He's had podium people on it, he's pros on it, he's everybody on it. So it's a really, really good programme and it will suit you down to the ground if that's what you're kind of looking to do. So just head on over and find out more about that in the show notes or go to the resources page on the website mtb-tribe.com. You'll get all the info there. Now Ben has also got a very good bodyweight strength programme. So if you haven't access to a gym, this is maybe the way to go. You'll also find info about that on the resources page of the website. Ben, I just want to say a big thanks again for coming on the podcast. Uh, it's great to have you on as a guest and your knowledge is really, really awesome to have on the show and I really do appreciate you being part of the, the MTB Tribe podcast. It's great to have you on board and uh, sharing your knowledge with the listeners and I know it's helped us all out there on the trails. So thanks so much, dude, and I wish you all the best for 2020 there. Now, thanks so much for listening, folks. And if you want to help the show, support the show, the best way is by subscribing, rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Every one of your ratings helps boost us on Apple's algorithms and helps spread the good word about the show to more people. Now, if you're not on Apple, don't worry. You can find and subscribe via Stitcher, Spotify and Podbean. And we're on almost every podcast platform. So wherever you listen to your podcast, you should be able to find MTV Tribe there. Now, as I said, we also have a website, mtb-tribe.com, where you can find the complete bike catalogue, listen and download every show simply from there. You can also subscribe there and get one email per week with a quick and easy link to listen to the show. Now, and if you have been getting in contact with me or you're expecting a response from me, please check your spam folders because a lot of the emails have been dropping in there for some reason recently. So if you have subscribed and haven't received an email, just check out your spam folder and it will most likely be there for you. Now, you can also get involved on social media at MTV Tribe on Instagram and Facebook. Take screenshots and help share the show that way, please. We have no sponsors on the show, anything like that. So it's by word of mouth, just by local people sharing the show and getting in contact and letting friends know about it is the best way to grow it. So please do that and help support the show. So thanks so much, folks, for being here this week. I do appreciate it. And as always, I will be in here next week to share another episode with you and hopefully get you learning a little bit more about the mountain bike industry and the people involved. But until then, stay on the trails, stay on that bike, and as always, stay MTV stoked. <laughs>